Dispatches. Who is the U.S. government's most wanted American-born terrorist? Meet Jihad Sohan Mustafa, the Southern Californian left to join Al Shabab in 2005, and is now the highest-ranking American terrorist. As I was tracking down the families of Americans who were allegedly fighting for designated terrorist groups in Syria almost seven years ago, I came across an intriguing case: a San Diego man who had left the beachside city to fight for Al Shabab in East Africa. His name was Jihad Sowan Mustafa. My curiosity was piqued as to what compelled a young man with a good education, several decent jobs, and a stable family to take such a leap. I knocked on the door of his parents' house where he lived before he left, but no one answered. The cleric at his local mosque told me passionately that there was no sign of extremism when I visited it. I walked by the Al Cajon auto repair shop where he worked. And was greeted with glum faces and nervous refusals to even utter his name. A few casual acquaintances, who refused to speak on record, seemed surprised by Mustafa's escape into the thickets, describing him as nice, quiet, and polite. Over time, his name slipped from my memory. Continuing my research on another U.S. terrorist case, I saw an FBI alert on my Twitter feed in 2019. Jihad Sowan Mustafa, then 38, a former San Diego resident, was named the most wanted American terrorist in the world. Mustafa is believed to be the highest-ranking United States citizen fighting overseas for a terrorist organization. U.S. Attorney Robert Brewer stated. Al Shabab's reign of terror threatens U.S. national security, our international allies, and innocent civilians. In an unsealed federal indictment, the U.S. citizen, who was who had already been on the FBI's most wanted terrorist list for years, was charged with additional crimes related to his alleged involvement with Al Qaeda affiliate Al Shabab. In order to clarify the scenario of the Southern California terrorist, I went back to the drawing board. The profiles of these jihadists are essential because we can understand. Before we can understand the why, we first need to know the who. So, who is Jihad Sowan Mustafa? Having fled to the United States in December two thousand and five, Mustafa was indicted for the first time in two thousand and ten. An expansion of the previous charges is contained in the superseding indictment. At some point between March two thousand and eight and at least February two thousand and seventeen, he conspired to provide material support, including himself as personnel to terrorists. Under the pseudonyms Ahmed Guri, Ahmed Abu Anwar Al Mashir, and Abu Abdullah Al Mujahir, Mustafa is a leader in Al Shabab's explosives unit. With critical leadership roles in the media and soldier training wings, according to government officials, he was involved in approving the effectiveness of improvised explosive devices used in attacks against U.S. interests and soldiers' bases in the area. Sources told me, however, that his entanglement goes much deeper. Currently, Jihad is in Somalia, and he's very close to the decision-making circles of Al Shabab, especially their intelligence wing called Aminiyat, and also an explosive brigade which is controlled by the powerful Al Shabab leader Mahad Wasim Kwali, 
an African intelligence official who spoke strictly on the condition of anonymity, told me. Jihad is protected by Al-Shabaab hardliners who are mainly connected to Al-Qaeda. He directly advises Al-Shabaab's leadership on issues related to strategies, international relations, smuggling explosive material and importation, media production, and its audience targeting. Mustafa is said to have three wives and 16 children. His family is protected by Al-Shabaab's general security, which is in charge of overseas counterintelligence and the presence of foreign fighters within the organization. The Middle Duba region, which is under full control of Al-Shabaab, is where intelligence agencies believe is his hideout, my well-placed source continued. He is one of the most trusted foreign fighters within Al-Shabaab and gets more protection than others from the group. Another security official in the country confirmed to me that one of Mustafa's wives married him soon after her husband, his comrade, was killed in action. Around two years ago, Mustafa narrowly escaped being captured in a ground operation. However, his alleged trek into terrorism is a far cry from the baby-faced Southern California boy many viewed as sweet and subdued. Mustafa was born in Waukesha, Wisconsin, and raised in the Sierra Mesa area of San Diego, California. He attended Mesa Community College and graduated from the University of California, San Diego, with a degree in economics in 2005. Months later, he is alleged to have slipped into the murky world of jihad at the age of 23. In 2005, Mustafa made his first stop in Yemen. During his stay in the Middle Eastern country, he was said to have struck up a friendship with several Muslims from Western nations. Mustafa travelled through several African countries before arriving in Somalia at Al-Shabaab's invitation, when the outfit was making inroads into the embattled country. After Mustafa disappeared into the group's void, the leadership began warning other foreign fighters not to come. Since sweeping arrests had already begun against those aspiring to overthrow the government. However, Mustafa's path to radicalization caught many by surprise, including those with whom he prayed. He attended the local Islamic Center of San Diego in Kearney Mesa, and its director, Imam Tahin Hassan, told me in 2016 that they had no suspicion that Mustafa had become extreme in his views. Jihad was often hanging around with the other young people. He used to play a lot of basketball outside, Hassan recalled. I was shocked to see his picture on the news connected to terrorism. While researching for this profile, a mutual friend of ours told me that Mustafa's father, Halim Mustafa Gabori, died in 2018 from a heart issue. Halim was a co-founder of the Association for Youth and Community Advancement, AYCA, and was eulogized by the organization as a people's person with a passion for life and an important contributor to the greater San Diego community. In 1998, Helene founded Avine Incorporated and under that canopy managed the film production company Shimita Productions. The film, titled Muslim, was produced by him and his company in 2008 and aimed to demonstrate that the true meaning of Islam is lost amid the stereotypes about non-Muslims in America and centered on young African-American who fights his way out of the ghetto and into college, deciding to make his thesis film about Muslims and violence. The film went on to win some international awards, 
Halim also had an uncredited role as an Iraqi civilian man in the 1999 George Clooney, Mark Wahlberg and Ice Cube starring war film Three Kings. Furthermore, Halim was the owner and operator of Shimatar Security, which offers a range of security services, including unmanned and armed patrols and residential properties, where Jihad worked before joining the terrorist outfit abroad. Based on a search of Mustafa's professional licenses, he was registered as a guard with the California Bureau of Security and Investigative Services in 2000, and his card was valid until August 2006. Additionally, he worked at the Winston Auto Center on El Cajon Boulevard in San Diego. His mother, Sumiyaya Mustafa, according to AYCA, is a retired schoolteacher who has worked and taught in various states and countries. Family members, including one older brother, a 40-year-old software engineer in Southern California, did not respond to requests for comment. However, a family friend explained that Halim was deeply disappointed and upset over his son's departure to Africa. His name gradually fell out of the conversation. Al-Shabaab, which means youth in Arabic, remains one of the world's most deadly terrorist groups, racking up a staggering number of victims in recent years. In the late 90s, it was an insurgent group built around a hardline interpretation of Islam. In 2012, it aligned itself with Al-Qaeda. Radicalization took place in the group after Ethiopia, which is majority Christian, invaded neighboring Somalia in late 2006, usurping the government from Mogadishu at the request of the trans transitional government. With the occupation continuing for years, Al-Shabaab, which retreated to the south as a guerrilla group, gained momentum. It is unclear how many people are involved with Al-Shabaab, but estimates have ranged from four to 10,000. The government of Somalia blamed the group for killing more than 500 people in a massive truck bombing in Mogadishu in October 2017. In 2015, the terrorist group was responsible for a massacre at Kenya's Garissa University, which killed 148 people. The group's operatives attacked Nairobi's Westgate shopping mall in 2013, killing 67 people. Kenya's foreign minister claimed that some of the militants involved in the mall massacre were Americans, but it is unclear if Mustafa was one of them. Between 2009 and 2011, Al-Shabaab dominated central and southern Somalia. While the group was expelled from the capital in 2011, it has transitioned to a more covert form of guerrilla warfare, observed London-based terrorism and security consultant Will Hartley. Concern that Al-Shabaab was re-establishing itself prompted a renewed U.S. focus on the group in the latter years of the Obama administration, and that has continued under Trump, he said. President Trump approved a Pentagon plan to ramp up operations and drone strikes against the insurgency faction during his first months in office. The Biden administration additionally launched multiple air attacks against the group in Somalia. More than 4,000 people have been killed by Al-Shabaab across Africa since 2008, the year it was first designated as a foreign terrorist organization, FTO. Thousands more have been seriously injured.
Al-Shabaab is as brutal as they come. The group divides the areas under its control into geographical units it dubs Islamic states and administers them according to its understanding of Islamic law. Noted researchers for the Middle East Media Research Institute, Memory, Jihad and Threat Monitor. It regularly calls for attacks on American and Western targets worldwide, but so far has not directly carried out any such attacks. Among Al-Shabaab's dizzying array of it, is of attacks, the counter-extremist project, SCP, says it is also responsible for stonings, amputations, and beheadings, which are often used as regular punishment for criminals and apostates. The United Nations also claims the group uses children for combat and reconnaissance. The Department of State's Rewards for Justice program is offering a $5 million reward for information leading to the arrest and conviction of Jihad Zoe and Mustafa. Mustafa remains at large despite the lucrative financial offer that has been on the table since 2013. He is known to speak English, Arabic, and Somali. According to the FBI, his last unclassified proof of life occurred in October 2011 when he appeared at a press conference with top al-Shabaab officials and pretended to be an al-Qaeda emissary. The event was captured on camera during which he praised Osama bin Laden. Mustafa is described as 6'1 and 170 pounds, blue-eyed with a light complexion, left-handed and with a distinctive scar on his right hand. Mustafa faces charges of providing material support to terrorists, providing material support to a foreign terrorist organization, and providing material support to an international terrorist organization. His track records mounts for a rap sheet of some big misdemeanors, including serving as al-Qaeda leader Ayman al-Zawahiri's point man, noted Raphael Gluck, founder of the terrorist monitoring site Jihadoscope. Essentially, he remains hidden. Unless one is a spiritual leader or figurehead, he won't be releasing videos and videos won't focus on him. But someone like Jihad is worth a lot more than propaganda. So what are some of the interesting observations regarding the life and times of Jihad Mustafa? Over the past decade, during which I've spent a considerable time amount of time interviewing and researching various terrorists and rebel fighters across every region of the globe, I hear almost always the same characteristics when it comes to a fighter raised in the West who fled to the belly of the beast or launched a terrorist attack on home soil. It was a surprise to those who knew them and they, that they were involved in terrorism. In most cases, the perpetrator was quiet, even shy, had a job and usually a family. Although religious, they were not very religious. With the advent of social media, the recruitment process has been accelerated. Jihad Mustafa's recruitment in 2005 predated the in-your-face digital era of today, but chat groups and message boards were still around and less regulated than they are today. Among Western fighters, friendship is the most common characteristic. Most had very few or no close companions, and they appeared to seek out a sense of inclusion rather than greater purpose. Despite the absence of a tried and true blueprint of signs to look for regards to radicalization, I have yet to meet a foreign fighter who seemed to have a solid support system beyond their families or religious affiliations. In my view, the primary tenet of friendship, or lack thereof, as well as the self-explanatory lone wolf label, are key elements of these profiles.
Be aware of the need to belong and the primal instinct to be part of something bigger, no matter the circumstances.